encourage one another, um, share some of the wins that have happened in our, our Go Kids ministry. And I usually share a little devotional um, when we get together. And, and I shared from the book of Nehemiah this past Monday. And then as I was continuing to pray about what it is that God wanted me to say this morning, I realized that in part of what I had shared with the Go Kids ministry was what was a message for the whole church. And as I studied deeper and as I prayed more, I realized that this message was going to take more than just one Sunday to unpack. And so I have no idea how long this is going to take. Honestly, I am, I'm developing this skill as, as a senior pastor as far as preparing messages every week and, and trying to get a feel for that and develop a rhythm and all of that stuff. And I know a few pastors that actually take a whole month at the beginning of the year get away from their church, have somebody else filling in, and pray what it is that they're supposed to say the rest of the year, how they're supposed to lead their church the rest of the year. I also know some um, churches that have their, their whole pastoral team get together, um, usually for at least overnight or maybe even two nights, and they get away and they plan together what it is that they're supposed to do for ministry for the upcoming year. Now let's face it, with how things kind of transpired, I haven't had the time to do that. And so it's, it's like I'm still trying to figure this out. And so again, I really appreciate your patience as, as we work through this transition. Of course, it's my desire as we move forward that I'll have that time to be able to set aside to do those things. But this message that I feel like God has, has given me to, to pass on to the church is about rebuilding the ministry. Rebuilding the ministry. And so in the book of Nehemiah, um, he really talks about rebuilding. And, and I feel like this message is not only for our church, but can easily be applied to us in our personal lives as well. It might be that you're rebuilding a relationship. It might be that your, you know, your health is needing rebuilding. Or maybe your career. You know, I have no idea what that might be on a personal level. But I also feel like it can go the other way too. Instead of going from church to personal, we can also go to our nation. And how fitting that we would feel like God has given us this message um, for a time like this as we're leading up to our National Day of Prayer. And so um, as we, we see what God has for us in these coming weeks, the focus is going to be um, the rebuilding of the ministry as far as the church. So in the book of Nehemiah, um, he demonstrates the truth that when God's people pray, difficult decisions fall into perspective. And when we have the right perspective, appropriate actions follow. So I'm certainly not discounting in this rebuilding process the things um, that had already happened in this ministry. Um, but as we move forward, I am trusting and believing that God has even greater things in store through the ministry that Hill City Assembly of God is going to do. And so I do feel like we're in that rebuilding period right now. And, and as we seek the Lord in prayer, that, that difficult task of laying a firmer foundation, obviously Christ is the foundation, he is the cornerstone, but as far as the ministry and developing a stronger foundation for the church to be built on, um, 
if we have that right perspective and we have that direction for God, um, he's going to lead us through that and he's going to empower us to do what he's calling us to do. Amen? Amen. And everybody says, well, shoot, we could just stop there. Well, no, we can't. No, we can't. Well, typically, I, I start out uh, a bit uh, with a bit of background for a passage that I'm going to speak on. And, and it probably comes from those early days of, of being a Christian, and I'd be sitting listening to a message. And I had the opportunity to hear a lot of speakers um, in my early years as a Christian as, as we would go to monthly meetings in our Northeast section. And, and so in doing so, I would quite often hear a, a preacher say um, something in reference to somewhere else in the Bible instead of where they were actually speaking from, and just assuming that everybody knew how those pieces fit together. And, and sometimes that could be really frustrating, but on the other hand, it made me dig a little deeper and to understand more fully than when I was able to, to get back to the Bible on my own. But that's probably why I harbor on the side of assuming that people don't know. They don't know the background. And so in that, if you're here this morning and you know Nehemiah inside and out, you know what has led up to it, you know what happens throughout it, well, I just encourage you to take this as an opportunity of review. So um, for others of us, it, it may be new information. So a little bit of background on the book of Nehemiah. It is considered the last Old Testament historical book. History. That means real people with real situations living out real life. And so we can glean a lot from these real accounts of people dealing with life difficulties and situations. Archaeological digs support the rebuilding that Nehemiah was responsible for. And so we can learn so much about God's faithfulness as we study these historical books. You're going to find um, Nehemiah in the Old Testament between Esther and, and Ezra, and it's just three um, books before the Psalms. So if you're wondering, okay, where is that? Is, if you're trying to find that in your Bible this morning, we do encourage you to bring your Bible. Um, quite often we don't have the scriptures up on the screen, and so you can turn to your Bible and, and find them and follow along. Um, otherwise, it's okay to pull out your cell phone and do that too. Um, perfectly acceptable. But we're going to be in the first chapter of Nehemiah. And as we look at the, the scriptures as a whole, especially in the Old Testament with the Old Testament law, we see that God gives multiple times throughout scripture where he's warning his peoples of, people of the consequences of sin of disobedience, of turning away from him. And, and in Deuteronomy 28.64, um, God gives a specific warning through Moses in response to that turning away from his commands. He says, Moreover, the Lord will scatter you among all people from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. And quite often, when, when God's people would turn away from him, and he would scatter them, as he says he's going to do, in response to their disobedience, he would remove the, his hand of protection from, him, from them as an act of discipline. It was done lovingly because then the people would turn back to him, but in removing his hand, quite often they would be taken into captivity, defeated by their enemies. And so with that in mind, that's going to help us put together what is happening in the book of Nehemiah. You know, I think about that as, you know, how often when, when, 
when our kids are given um, instructions, warnings from their parents, how they like to test that. (laughs) They like to make sure, are they really going to follow through with what they said they would do if I do this? Well, I think that's what the Israelites were prone to do. Whether they really did it um, intentionally or blatantly, um, they would test their father's warning. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times it had very serious ramifications. Well, as we read through scripture, we find that um, obviously King Saul, I shouldn't say obviously, some people may not know, uh, King Saul was the first king of the Israelites, um, didn't work out so well with King Saul. And then we had King David, who was a man after God's own heart. He taught his son Solomon um, the ways of God, and Solomon had a fantastic start. He sought God for his wisdom. Unfortunately, he uh, compromised that loyalty to his God by marrying foreign wives who would worship other gods. So shortly after Solomon's death, the kingdom ends up being divided into two kingdoms, the north kingdom, the south kingdom, Judah being the south kingdom, and that's where we're going to be this morning. But as, as God gave both of those um, separated kin- kingdoms opportunity to follow his ways, unfortunately both of those kingdoms turned away from God. And because of Judah's disobedience... God removed his hand, and they were defeated by Babylon at the hand of King Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. And, and that magnificent temple that, that uh, King uh, Solomon built under God's guidance was destroyed. And in order to get to the temple, the Babylonians also destroyed the wall. And so the, the wall that surrounded Jerusalem was no longer standing it was lying in ruins 50 years after Babylon um, was then defeated by the Medes and the Persians and and in that the Persians would typically send those people back to their land and so that's what was happening at this time just before um, Nehemiah I hope I haven't lost you yet this morning. (laughs) Maybe a little bit of food for thought to study um, this week. There is a purpose to all of this, I promise that. So a year later, after the Persians have taken over, the temple was started um, to be rebuilt under the leadership of Zerubbabel and that first wave of returning Jews. And then another wave of Jews comes back to Jerusalem under the leadership of Ezra. And his responsibility was to rebuild the spiritual um, health and and the morality of the people um, as they came back to reestablish their homeland. And then 14 years after that, Nehemiah comes on the scene. And God has chosen him to lead the people in rebuilding the wall. And so that's what's going on here in the book of Nehemiah. So a little bit of backstory to kind of help us put those things together. We don't know a lot about Nehemiah. Um, Scripture really doesn't give us any of his background before he um, is called to rebuild the wall. Um, We do know that he was a cupbearer to the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes, and his primary primary. primary responsibility would have included um, choosing the wines for the king. 
And so he would have had a very close relationship. The king would have trusted him. He would have uh, fostered that confidence with the king. And it certainly would have been considered a a position of, of great honor. And so being uh, Nehemiah, being the, the king's cupbearer, I've titled this message, Lessons from a Cupbearer's Prayer, because it's going to be Nehemiah's prayer that we're going to be looking at this morning. So we, before we read chapter 1 of Nehemiah, let's just take a minute and pray before we read the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we know that you say in your word that you promise that it will never return void for the purpose in which you have sent it forth. And so, God, we just trust that what you have for us this morning in your word, it's going to allow us um, to grow in you, to uh, take something from this and apply it to our lives. And so, God, we thank you for your promise. May you receive the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, verse 1 of of chapter 1 of Nehemiah starts out with, These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, Nehemiah's concern for Jerusalem. In late autumn in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Xerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We've sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember that you told your servant Moses, If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cup bearer. I believe there are lessons to be learned from the cupbearer's prayer. Upon hearing the devastating news of his homeland, Nehemiah is grieved. He longs for the wall to be rebuilt. A wall back then is similar to a fence for us today. What is that saying? A good fence makes good neighbors. Good neighbors. And a fence we usually look at as a, a boundary thing. This is... This is a a set-aside property 
that is not necessarily readily accessible to everybody. It defines ownership. And, and that is much like the walls were back then. They defined the boundaries. More importantly, a wall offered protection from invading armies as well as erosion, but it also represented power and peace. You can imagine that those who had returned from captivity felt vulnerable and exposed without having that wall around them. Nehemiah understood the seriousness of their situation and how discouraging that would have been for them and how fearful they would have been living without that wall there representing peace and protection. So before Nehemiah even approaches the Lord in prayer, though, he humbles himself with tears and fasting. And Nehemiah's brokenness for Jerusalem and his countrymen led him to pray a powerful prayer. But it all started with humility. James 4.10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. And Nehemiah is a perfect example of this truth. So what are the lessons that we can glean from the cupbearer's prayer? First of all, we can see that humility gives us a right perspective about ourselves and the one that we're praying to. Nehemiah acknowledges who he is. His understanding of his humanness is revealed in two ways. The first one is through aligning himself with his forefathers that turned from God's way in rebellion, Nehemiah didn't elevate himself. He didn't point his finger at his his countrymen and say, look what they did, God. I didn't do that. I'm separate from them. No, he joined himself with them in their rebellion, even though the rebellion had happened two generations before him. He aligned himself with them, and he stood with them in their sin. Even though he was a great man of influence as a cupbearer to King Nebuchadnezzar, he still humbled himself and stood with his countrymen and repented on their behalf. He also recognized his own sin and acknowledged that, repented personally before God. This is an act of submission and humility. Secondly, Nehemiah, understanding his humanness, allows him to see God in his awesomeness. So he saw his own smallness, not insignificance, but his smallness in compared to God's amazingness. And so when we humble ourselves before the Lord, we acknowledge that the Lord is great and powerful. We also are acknowledging that he keeps his promises because he's a God that does not change. And so then when we come before him in love and, and with desiring to be obedient to him, that can encourage us to not only see how amazing and how powerful he is, but it can help us to recall the promises that he has given to us. Promises about who he is. Promises about who we are in him. We can see that he's all-knowing, that he's all-powerful, that he's always present everywhere, that he's sovereign, that he is kind, and that he is good, and that he is just a gentle God It also, of course, helps us to see that he's holy and that he is faithful. It encourages us to call out knowing 
again, that he's a God that doesn't change and that his faithfulness reaches to the heavens. It, of course, does not immediately change our situation, but it does remind us of his trustworthiness. So we can take encouragement that, that God is who he says he is. We can take him at his word. And Nehemiah powerfully recalls God's word given in the law of Moses. He has seen the first part of that promise fulfilled, the negative part, that if the people are disobedient, God is going to remove his hand of protection. He's going to discipline them for their own good, although it's going to be painful in the, in the disobedient, um, disciplined time. But he also recalls that God is faithful to restore them when they turn back to him. And I think in our day, the church, and I'm talking like the American church, not just Hill City Assembly of God, I think the church does a good job of recognizing God's love for us. And that's fantastic. But I wonder, do we declare ourselves God's servants? Do we look at God as our Lord of our lives? Because I think that's when we really can connect with what it's like to live a life of humility and submission to God like Nehemiah was doing. Nehemiah's prayer reminds us that we are his servants. And when we find ourselves in difficult situations, we too need to humble ourselves before God, repenting of any sin, and God is faithful to forgive us. When we think big picture um, about this passage, God says in Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. God may call us to prayerfully intercede on behalf of a larger group in which we belong. It might be our family, it might be our church, it might be our community, it might be our nation. He may also call us to be the solution to a situation in which we recognize there's no way possible that we can solve by ourselves. And I certainly have experienced this in my life, given situations. There's no way, God, I can do this by myself. And when a situation occurs like that, it's always good, of course, to go back. Who does God say that he is? What are his attributes? Who are we in God? What does he say about us? What are the promises that he's given to us? And so, in other words, when we know that we can do nothing good without his help, when we know that we need him to leave us in difficult times, it certainly encourages us to come to God in humility and ask for his guidance. Nehemiah's prayer also shows us that humility prepares our hearts to pray God's will. Nehemiah recognized that the magnitude of the job was no small task. This rebuilding of the wall all the way around the city of Jerusalem and rehanging all of the gates that had been charred um, when the, the walls were overrun was no small task. And he knew that there was only one man who was going to be able to release him to go to Jerusalem to lead his people in rebuilding his wall. And that request would need to be put before the one whose cup he held, King Artaxerxes. 
because it was King Artaxerxes who had issued a decree that stopped the construction of the wall in, around Jerusalem. It was that king was going to be the only one who could reverse that decree. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago and you heard me speak about the, the book of Esther, which would have been this time frame, is, is you would have heard that it was not something that you did approaching the king without being invited. Because it could not, it might not turn out good for you if you did that. Um, and so the same thing applied here. Even though Nehemiah had a very close relationship with the king, he would be risking his life and going to the king and asking um, such a, a request. And so by humbling himself before God, God prepared Nehemiah's heart in how to pray according to his will. I think that's what that preparation time was, that, that fasting and that mourning time is when God was showing Nehemiah what it is that he was wanting him to do. And then once he understood what it was that God wanted him to do, then Nehemiah could pray according to God's will. We may not know how to pray in, in our situations, those difficult times in, in our lives. But as we humble our hearts before God, we're going to also be led to pray according to his will. Our advocate, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our deficiency. Because we might not know how to pray. We might not know what prayer to offer or when to offer it and, and all of those things. And so for us, um, it may be asking the Holy Spirit to intercede on our behalf. And scripture says that we sometimes don't know how to pray or how it should be offered, but that the Holy Spirit, who knows our need and at the right time, intercedes on our behalf. We have the Holy Spirit as our advocate to intercede on our behalf when we receive Christ as our Savior. And I think that's awesome <laughs> to be able to have that um, knowledge that, that God is interceding on our behalf it also could be that, that as, as it's, it might be manifested through the, the Spirit in giving us that how to pray or that what to pray. Or for those of us that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it might be that we're going to pray to him in our prayer language. And either way, we can pray God's will as we humble ourselves before him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says also that encourages us that, that God desires um, to help us understand his will as we move forward in difficult situations. And those two verses read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So when we humble ourselves before God, when we trust him, to lead us, we're not understanding on our, our own understanding. We're not thinking, uh, we've got to figure out how to make this work. We can just come before God, and, and he will help us to pray according to his will. Through Nehemiah's submission to God's will, we see that humility opens the door to receive God's direction. Again, I don't know if Nehemiah knew this was what God was going to be asking him when he first heard about that news, that he was going to be the one chosen to go back and rebuild that wall. But I think in that preparation time, that seeking God's will, he was given um, how to pray according to God's will. 
And it was very specific. And so we can trust that as we seek God in humility, that he is also going to give us the words to pray specifically in difficult situations. Because if you'll recall in verse 10, Nehemiah prayed this to God. He said, please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. He didn't pray, Lord, somehow make the wall building possible. He didn't just pray this overarching prayer as we sometimes, and and I am just as guilty of, um, just kind of praying this big prayer instead of maybe seeking God more diligently and praying a specific prayer. Because when we pray specific prayers in God's will, it can give us encouragement because we can see that situation coming into clarity, what it is that God's exactly wanting to accomplish. And then we can acknowledge God's power to help us accomplish that specific thing. And then we can also see that God is what it is that God is asking us to do in that situation. Jesus said, and I'm going to paraphrase here, um, but he said if we ask anything in his name, it's going to be given to us. Now, sometimes we can take that then, well, I just need to ask for that million dollars and it's going to be given to me. Or I just need to ask for that relationship um, to be better and it's going to be given to me. Well, relationships, yes, God's definitely going to be all over about wanting to to bring reconciliation for sure. But um, it may not be God's will that we have that million dollars. And so if we pray in his name, that doesn't necessarily mean just by stating his name. No, what it means is that we are praying in his will. And so we want to make sure that we're praying in God's will. I think, too, it can be encouraging that when we pray specifically, it's a whole lot easier to see that God has answered our prayer than if we've just prayed this overarching prayer. So when we humble ourselves, God teaches us his ways. And humility and prayer coupled with God's will helps us to receive the burden that God places on our hearts and deepens our commitment to seeing it through. Of course, it's not always easy. It might take a huge leap of faith. I'm sure Nehemiah um, didn't take it lightly when he um, received um, how it was that he was supposed to pray, knowing that um, this is probably going to present an opportunity for me to approach the king without being asked. It might be a difficult situation. Um, I may lose my life in this. But praying specifically can help us to have that right perspective that matches God's will, even in those difficult situations. And when we have the right perspective, appropriate actions are going to follow. We're going to pray those specific prayers. Well, next week, we're going to look at how God answers Nehemiah's specific prayer. But to close this morning, I realize that maybe some of you are here right now and and you have that, that thing in your life right now and you can't see really beyond that because... It's, it's all-encompassing for you right now. And, and I just encourage you to apply what this is, that, that God is teaching us in that, and, and that you can use that as whatever it is that's pressing on your heart and, and on your mind this morning, to go before God humbly, to seek his will and how to pray, and then to pray the specific prayer that God will give you in that. 
And, and I encourage you, you know, regardless of what it is that you came in with this morning that you want to bring to God in prayer, we're going to have our prayer team up here um, this morning. And, and would you just bring it to them in prayer? Our people come prepared to, to partner with you in prayer. And so I encourage you to do that. By bringing it to God in prayer, we can draw near to him in humility. And, and he, in return, gives abundant grace and mercy and help in every situation of life because he is an awesome, loving God. In many other ways, I, I feel like, again, our church is, is in that ministry rebuilding process right now. And, and so I lay out that challenge to you that, that call Hill City Assembly of God your church is that would you just join me in humbling ourselves before God by recognizing his awesomeness and our dependency on him? And would you join me in submitting to him that we would pray according to his will for our church so that when we respond, we can pray those specific prayers as he leads us, as we humble ourselves, as we repent of any sin so that we don't have anything that separates us from God, that that our prayers aren't going to be hindered, whether it be um, in being able to pray God's will or whether it be that we'd be able to hear God's response. And then, of course, we want to praise God just as, as Nehemiah did. Praise God. Acknowledge who he is and then ask specifically. And I thought about giving you a list of of things that I feel like we should be praying for our church, and I thought, no, the people can hear from God. The people can hear from God, and I really believe that. As we all humble ourselves, God's going to speak to us. And so I'm not giving a list this morning. Seek God for what it is that he would want you to be praying for, for your church, our church, and really his church. I am thankful um, to God ever increasingly, so we are certainly not in the dire straits that Jerusalem had found themselves in in any way, shape, or form. But there is rebuilding to be done. And so to accomplish more for the sake of the kingdom, partnering with God in in what he wants to do in and through our church, um, this week as we pray, let's use these lessons that we learned from the cupbearer's prayer. Amen? All right, let's pray.